Well, good uh, to be with you all today. Uh, uh, thank you for having us. Looking forward to uh, preaching God's word here and then sharing about the mission that God has called us to uh, after our worship service. Uh, let me pray as we open God's word together. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ as we have reflected in our singing this morning, truly, uh, we need him. We are nothing without him. We thank you for him, and we thank you for his work on our behalf. We thank you that in his work, his dying, his rising, his ascending to heaven, he has sent forth the spirit of the living God to dwell in our hearts and we thank you that the Spirit is interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. Lord, even now as we gather, the Spirit is working. He is among us. He is with us. And so we thank you. And Lord, we need your Spirit as we look into your Word. We need your Spirit to give us understanding that we might be able to behold the glories of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we pray that you would do that this morning, and we pray that you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is perhaps nothing more difficult in the Christian life than prayer. Uh, prayer is a constant struggle for me, and I imagine if we went around the room and did testimonies, you would say, yeah, it's a struggle for me as well. But I have come to see uh, lately, recently in my walk with the Lord, an amazing passage that has given me so much hope, so much freedom in my walk with the Lord and particularly in my prayer life. And I want you to see this in uh, this passage. It's in Romans chapter 8. So if you have a Bible or your phone, please open with me to Romans 8. Uh, this is a, a well-known chapter of Scripture, a well-beloved chapter of Scripture, and we're just going to focus today on two verses in Romans 8. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Paul writes this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I'm going to stop there. So, because of Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, he has, he has sent forth his Spirit. And the Spirit now indwells us. He lives inside of us. And he does this amazing work which we read about here in this passage. And so, as we unpack this, the, the main sort of idea, the main point I want to bring across this morning um, is this. We cannot pray without the Spirit. You and I 
cannot pray without the Spirit. Now that may seem like, okay, I get that. That's, that's a no-brainer. That, that's um, basic. But I, I want to show you um, from this passage what, what I mean by that. And in doing so, really my goal this morning is to, to uh, show you from this passage what the Holy Spirit is doing for us when we're praying. And in doing that, I want to I want to glorify, I want to exalt, I want to magnify the Spirit of God. Because you're going to see him perhaps in a new light this morning. And when God, the triune God, is, is glorified and magnified, then what happens to us is we change. That has an effect on us and our lives and our walk with him. So we cannot pray without the Spirit. That's the main point. And I want to unpack that sort of main point with three questions uh, from this text, uh, and, that, and they're these questions. Number one, what does the Holy Spirit do in prayer? What does the Spirit do in prayer? We're going to find the answer here in the text. Number two, why does the Spirit do what he does in prayer? So first, what does he do? Second, why does he do what he does? And then number three, how does what the Spirit does for us in prayer, how does that benefit us? How does that help us in our prayer life? So, so what does the Spirit do? Why does the Spirit do what he does? And then how does that benefit us in our prayer life? So the Spirit's what, why, and how. That are, that, those are the questions that we're going to uh, answer from this passage. So first of all, what does the Holy Spirit do when we pray? What, what is he doing? Well, let's read verse 26 again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So what do we see there that the Spirit is doing? What is he doing in prayer? What does it say? He is helping us, right? So what does it mean that he helps us? That's what he's doing. What does that mean? Well, this word help does not mean that the Spirit helps us as if we pray, but when we get stuck in prayer, he comes along and he sort of assists us. He, he gives us a nudge. He, he, he prom, prompts us and, and, and guides us along. Okay, let me use an illustration that the Spirit is not like a math tutor, right? A math tutor is one who, you know, you have your math assignment and you're working hard on your math assignment and you get stuck and so you need that tutor to help you. And so he helps you and guides you and prods you along. Okay? That's not the word help here in this passage. Right? It's not like sometimes we can pray without the Spirit, and then sometimes we can pray with the Spirit. We, we need his help. Right? No. We cannot truly pray without the Spirit. We need his help. It's the Spirit 
and the Spirit alone who helps us when we pray. Okay, so, so this word help is not like help in the sense of being coached, being prodded along. But let me also say, when it says that the Spirit helps us, it's not saying that we do not pray, like sort of we go to our closet, our prayer closet, and we sort of go numb, and, and, and there's no thoughts that enter our mind. We just sit there, and the Spirit does all the praying for us. He helps us in that way. That's not what this word means either. All right, so you kind of get the picture of what help means. It doesn't mean the Spirit's like a math tutor who kind of, we do all the work, and then he sort of prods us along, and it, and it also doesn't mean he does all the work for us. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? What, what does that truly mean? Well, we get the answer in the text, if you look at it. So look at verse 26 again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness... And if you read on there, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So that line is sort of parallel. It's, it's, it's telling us how the Holy Spirit helps us. This is what he is doing for us. This is how he is helping us. So what does the Spirit do to help us? What does it say? What is he doing? He is interceding for us. That is how he helps us. Now what does this word intercession mean, right? Perhaps you use it here um, when you talk about prayers of intercession, you know what prayers of intercession are? They're, they're prayers that are made on behalf of someone else, right? So you have people maybe here in your church who are sick, who have cancer or, or, or some sort of physical um, challenge that they're going through, and you, you pray on behalf of them that the Lord would heal them, that those are prayers of intercession, and, and, and the prayers of intercession are done for our benefit, on, on behalf of us, right? They're prayers offered for us, for our healing or whatever it is. And so this is what the Spirit is doing. He is praying for us. He is interceding for us on our behalf. And this is how Paul says he is Helping us. So, what does the Spirit do? All answering this first question, what does the Spirit do in prayer? Well, what he does is he helps us by interceding for us. All right, are you following me this morning? That's what the Spirit does in prayer. He helps us, not like a math tutor, not like he does everything, but he helps us by interceding for us. That's what the Spirit does. Now, the second question, why, why does he do what he does? Why is he helping us by interceding for us? Or I could ask the question like this, which is the question that you can relate to. Why is prayer so hard? 
Why is it so difficult? I mean, I can read my Bible all day long, but when it comes to prayer, why is it so hard to pray? Well, this is why we need his help, and this is why we get this from Paul here in verse 26. We need his help because we are, what does it say? We are weak. We are weak. Look at it again, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness. So I don't have to convince you that you're weak in prayer, that that I'm weak in prayer. You know it and you feel it. What what does it mean, though, that we're weak when it comes to prayer? Well, when it says that we are weak, it means, as the next part of the verse says, here's what it means. It says, look at it again, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So that is giving us the answer to how we are weak. We are weak because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. So let me ask you again, just to kind of let this sink in a little bit and to think about this. This may sound strange for you. But it's true, because it's from God's word here. What is our weakness in prayer? Our weakness in prayer is we often don't know what to pray for. In other words, our weakness is our ignorance. Now now let that sit in your mind for a little bit. You might think our weakness is something else, but, but Paul is saying here, our weakness is our ignorance, that we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Now, let me give you an example of, of why I think this is true that you can maybe um, relate to from Scripture. So, um, Paul, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, says that he was given a thorn in the flesh, and he was given this thorn in the flesh, and, and, and he says that he implored the Lord three times that it might be taken away from him. Right? So Paul is at least on three you know, major occasions in his life, we could say, he's praying that the Lord would take this thorn away from him. But you know the passage, right? It goes on to say that the thorn was not taken away from Paul. And what does the Lord say? Do you remember the passage? We know it well. We love this passage. My grace is sufficient for you, right? For power is perfected in weakness. Now, the question might be asked, the question I want to know is, was Paul supposed to pray that the thorn in the flesh be removed. You ever think about that when you read that text? Was he supposed to even pray that? Was he supposed to take time to pray about that? Well, here's what I want to say. In one sense, no, he wasn't supposed to pray that prayer. In one sense. Why? Why? Because it wasn't removed. 
In other words, it was not God's will that the thorn be removed for him. Paul was ignorant at this point, or he was weak. He did not know what to pray as he ought. He prayed for it, certainly he did, but God answered with a no. Not a maybe, not a yes, but a no. Now, of course, let me me say that in another sense, it was God's will that he prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed because we know that we are to take all of our cares and all our concerns before the Lord, right? We know that, right? Now, the point is, in giving you that example, the point is, is to help you see that we are weak when it comes to pray. That is, we truly don't know what to pray for. So let me give you some other examples that maybe will help you even to let this sink in a little bit. And these are ones that, that I, I'm sure you can relate to. What, what do you pray for when a friend loses a dear loved one unexpectedly? Maybe it's a spouse, a child, a close friend, and they die in a, in a, in a car accident. What Honestly, what do you pray for that person? Or what do you pray for a child who you raised in the faith and and now they want nothing to do with Christianity? They've walked away. They are the prodigal that we mentioned earlier if you have a prodigal in your life. What, What do you pray for them? Do you pray that they come back to faith? But, but maybe that's not God's will. What, what, what do you truly pray for them? Or, or what does a married couple pray for who are infertile and they try and try and try to have children and the Lord doesn't grant them that? And that's, that's a heart, gut-wrenching experience. I've walked couples through that. What do you pray for them? What do they pray for? Sometimes it's so difficult. We just don't know what to pray for. What do you pray for when when you have lost all of your joy? You just can't get out of bed in the morning when you feel like your circumstances are a mess and your hope is gone. What do you pray for? I could we could multiply examples. Um, but have you ever prayed for something in your life that you truly thought that it was God's will only to find out that it wasn't? Have you? Um, Lord, I want this job. It, it, it is the perfect fit for me. Lord, please give me this job. And then God doesn't give you the job. Or, or before I met my wife, what I prayed for on several occasions, Lord, I want this girl. 
<laughs> this, this girl is wonderful, Lord. Would, you, would she be the one, right? And then the Lord didn't answer that prayer. And of course, because he led me to the best girl, right? Uh, my wife, right? Oftentimes we pray and we truly don't know what God's will is in that moment, in that instant. And, and what I'm trying to say to you is that that's because, as Paul says, we are weak when it comes to pray. We don't know how to pray as we ought. Thomas Boston, he's an old um, Puritan minister in the 17th century. And he said this, describing our weakness in prayer, and I think it's so good. He says, quote, we might pray against God's mercy. We might pray for something that could hurt us. We might pray for what feeds our sinful desires. We might not pray for what we truly need. Simply, he says, we might not pray according to the will of God. So true. So true. And that's the weakness that we face. Now, in all of these examples, we certainly, we certainly can say our prayers. Uh, we can offer prayers to God. Uh, but we truly don't know what God's will is many times. We truly don't know, to put it in the language of this passage, what to pray for as we ought or what is fitting. And think about this for a moment. If our Lord, Jesus Christ, in his humanity, with respect to his humanity, did not always know what to pray for. You remember when he was in the garden and he was struggling in prayer and he did not know what to pray for. If our Lord Jesus struggled to know what to pray for, I think we as well would struggle to know what to pray for. And, and, and we do. Now, there are certain things that we know that are God's will, and that we can pray about them. And, and let me give you an example. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You can just listen to this passage, but it says, In everything give thanks. Why? Because this is God's will for you. What is God's will for you? It's in everything give thanks. And so if I find myself grumbling and complaining about something, a situation in my life, I know that it's God's will that I pray about that because it says in Everything give thanks for this as God's will, right? But outside of those texts in the Bible where it's clearly revealed what God's will is, how do we know what to pray for, right? Many times we don't. Many times we don't know what God's will is until it happens to us in time. So, for example, I, I thought it was God's will that I marry my wife, Beth. But I did not know that it was God's will. Do you know and, until when? When did I know that it was God's will that I marry her? When I said I do. 
<laughs> That's when I knew it was God's will. It wasn't revealed to me, thought it was, and I pursued that it was, but until I said I do, I didn't know that it was God's will. We just can't always know 100% of the time. Now, the whole point, let me come back, come back here. Why do we need the Spirit to do what he does in prayer for us? Why? Because we are weak. And we've said that our weakness is our ignorance. It's, it's not knowing what to pray for in the moment. Now, before we go to the final question and, and answer how is this helpful for us, I want to, I want to address two objections Two things that maybe you're thinking about right now. The first objection is this. Well, Dan, I know. I mean, I'm human, and I know that I always don't know what I should pray for. And so that's why I sort of always end my prayers with, if the Lord wills. <laughs> right? Do you ever pray that, Lord, I want X, Y, Z, but, if you're, but I want your will to be done? Right, right? We pray that. And, and if you pray that, you're actually proving my point. <laughs> right? You're proving Paul's point that, that you don't know what God's will is. So you, so you say, Lord, whatever your will be done. And, and what that prayer is really a sign of, it's really a sign of a heart that is submissive to whatever God wants. Even if it's not, you know, what you want. Something different than you have in mind. All right, so it's not wrong to pray that um, if the Lord wills, um, but it, it's, it's a sign that we really don't know what God wants us to pray for all the time. Um, the second objection you might have is, well, what about those places in Scripture that says you are to pray for this thing, right? We have some of that in Scripture. We have models and stuff in Scripture and, and places where it instructs us to pray in certain ways. I, I think about the Lord's Prayer. Right? And the disciples came to Jesus and, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and what did he say? He, he gave us what, what we know now as the Lord's Prayer. Now, to be fair to the context of that passage, if you really look at it and study it, Jesus doesn't say, pray these words. He says, pray in this way. So the Lord's Prayer is not so much about the content. It's about the way in which we pray. We could spend a whole series talking about the Lord's Prayer, and, and I'll leave that to the pastors here to do that, um, to whet your appetite maybe for that. Um, but it's not wrong necessarily to pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, right? As long as your heart is in it. That's, that's the whole point of that passage. Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrites, like the Pharisees who pray all these great words, but their heart is far from what they're actually saying, right? So we do have times in Scripture where we do know what to pray for, and, and, and we know what to pray. But what about all the other times, right? So what we do at my home church is we have a prayer list, and this prayer list is usually circulated on Wednesdays when we gather together for our prayer meeting. And on the prayer list, we'll have several, um, you know, prayer requests of people in our congregation, right? And I, and I look at that prayer, prayer list um, when it is published bi-weekly when we meet, and, and, and we've been praying for, I'll give you an example, we've been praying for a man in our church who has been dealing with chronic um, pain for years, 
And I look at that, and it's just, you know, pray for this person and with their pain. And, and I look at that, and oftentimes I'm just, Lord, I'm, I'm, what do I pray for this man? We've prayed for years and years and years for deliverance, and there's, there's no deliverance. What, what in the world am I supposed to be praying for him? Right? And, and again, it's just, I, I don't know because I am weak. And this is exactly where the Spirit enters. So he, as we've said, he helps us. The Spirit, what does the Spirit do in prayer? He helps us by doing what? By interceding for us. Okay? Praying for us. Praying on our behalf. Praying for our good. And in in how does, how does his intercession benefit us? Or, or why do we need, I, I should say actually, why do we need his intercession? We need it because we are weak. All right? Now finally, let me ask the third question is, how does this benefit us? We know what he's doing. He's helping us in, by interceding for us. We know why he's doing it, because we are weak. But how does this truly benefit us? And this is where it right, comes down to the so what of the sermon, right? So how does this benefit us? Well, we get clarity in verse 27. So look at it with me. Verse 27, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So you see here, because the Spirit, according to verse 7, Verse 27 says, intercedes for the saints, how? According to the will of God, the prayers of the Spirit are always answered in the affirmative. Why? Because the Spirit knows what God's will is. The Spirit and the Father are one. The Spirit knows the Father's will. He knows the Father's plans. And so when he prays, he doesn't deal with the weakness that we deal with. He knows 100% what God's plans are, and so he prays, he intercedes on our behalf according to that good and perfect will. So here is why the Spirit's work is so important for us. Because we are weak, that is because we often don't truly know what we are to pray for in any given situation that we face, the Spirit is the one who takes our ill-informed and, Ill and inadequate prayers, and he himself prays for us according to God's will, something that we can't do entirely. We can't do perfectly. And so one person put it like this, and I love what they said. It's like, we pray, and the Spirit fixes our prayers on the way up. That's what it's like. We pray, and the Spirit does all this work for us, interceding for us perfectly according to the Father's will as our prayers sort of ascend up. What great help that is for us, isn't that? If, if you think about it, really think about it, and so I'm going to help you to think about why that's such great help, and I want to I give you um, two realities 
that I want you to take away this morning, two realities from what I've said, and then three encouragements. All right, two realities and three encouragements. So because you and I cannot pray without the Spirit, we need his help, we need his intercession because we're weak, and because his prayers are always answered, here's these two realities and three encouragements. The first reality is that if you are not a Christian, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't have a relationship with him, you cannot pray. Now, I don't mean that you can't say words that, that offer, offer up something that looks like prayer, that resembles prayer. Certainly you can do that. But what I mean is, is that you can't truly pray. You can't truly offer to God what pleases him and accomplishes his will. And the reason is, is because you don't have the Spirit. And Paul talks about that earlier in Romans chapter 8. All who are his, all who are true Christians, have the Spirit of God. In fact, Paul says here in verse 27, the Spirit intercedes for who? Who? The saints, the believers, right? And so as one another Puritan pastor wrote very descriptively, and, and you might relate to this a little bit more in Danville than I can in Minneapolis, but he says very descriptively that praying without the Spirit is like the lowing of oxen and the grunting of hogs. You know what that sound is like? Mm. Uh. <laughs> That's what praying without the Spirit is like. So that's the first reality. If you're not a Christian, you, 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 you cannot pray. I mean, I, mean, I mean pray. Second, second reality is that if you are a Christian, you cannot pray without the Spirit. <laughs> Why? Because you are weak which means that you do not truly know what to pray for without him. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't end there, right? If you are a Christian, you have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, then you can pray. And not only that, but you can have your prayers answered with a yes. Why? Because the Spirit intercedes for you according to the will of God. So those are the true realities. And here's three encouragements for you, believer, this morning. Number one, be encouraged this morning. I want you to be encouraged this morning that in your groaning, in your ignorance about what to pray for, as one pastor has said, in that moment, in your groaning, in your ignorance, as you're there praying, you are not being watched. You are being understood. It's not like God is up there in heaven looking down at, your, at you as his child and saying, what is he saying now? What is she up to now? I've, I've heard this before. Can't they figure it out already? 
No, you're not being watched. You are being understood. And I say that because of what the text says. It says God the Father searches our hearts in verse 27. He is the one who knows the deep down longings of your heart, of my heart. He knows. And the Spirit's mission is to pray for you according to the will of God. It's to take those deep down longings that you have and to take them by the Spirit to the Father. For them to be answered. God is understanding you. Second encouragement is that God's will, and we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school, kind of neat how this ties in, but, but God's will is going to be in, accomplished in your life despite your weakness and inability to know what to pray for. Why? Because we are so weak, right? Our prayers are so weak, but nothing, nothing can frustrate the plans of God. God always hears the Spirit's prayers. They are always in tune with God's will, right? So his, his will is always being done in your life. Nothing can frustrate that plan. And number three, be encouraged that your weakness, your struggle in prayer, and this is where I so relate to this, it, it is not necessarily going to get better in this life. Notice the Spirit does not remove your weakness. Oh, I wish He would. But He helps your weakness. Right? It's never removed, but he helps us. So we're never put in a position where we can then do it all on our own. No, we're always left in a position where we have to remain dependent and needy on him. And sometimes, I say this is encouragement because sometimes I think that we do, we look to, um, in our lives, we look to these, these people that we consider to be somehow super spiritual Christians, and that, you know, they don't struggle like I do in prayer, right? They, they've got it figured out. There's maybe a gem that they figured out that I don't, right, that I don't know. Maybe someone like John Bunyan, for instance. You, you know who John Bunyan is? John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, I think the be second best bestseller besides the Bible in the English language, right? This massively great book. Well, here's what, what Bunyan wrote about prayer. I want you to listen to his experience. A man that we all kind of look to as, wow, he understood God. He prayed. He didn't struggle. Here's what he said. He says, may I but speak of my own experience and from that tell you the difficulty of praying to God? And so he goes on to say, for as for my heart, when I go to pray, I find it so reluctant to go to God. 
And when it is with God, when my heart is with God, I find it so reluctant to stay with him. That many times I'm forced in my prayers, he says, first to beg God that he would take my heart and he would set it on himself in Christ. And then when it's there, that he would keep it there. (laughs) Many times he goes on to say, I know not what to pray for. I am so blind. This is Bunyan now. But then he says, only blessed be grace. The Spirit helps me in my weakness. So, what we have seen this morning is that prayer is a Holy Spirit thing. Prayer is spiritual. Or, as I've stated in different ways, but I've stated the main point, you cannot pray without the Spirit. In prayer, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit helps you by interceding for you. Why does the Spirit do this help? Because you are weak. For you don't know what to pray for as you ought. And because you are weak, and I am weak, how does this help us? It helps us because the Holy Spirit is is praying effective prayers for us that always get answered because he is praying for us according to the will of God. So here's the takeaway. The takeaway this morning is to embrace your weakness. I mean that. I mean, embrace the reality that you cannot pray on your own. You and I, friends, we are so weak. We are so weak when it comes to pray. And here's the irony of this about prayer, but but the irony of the Christian life is that, that only when you see yourself as weak, then you are actually strong. Only when you see yourself as weak in prayer, then can you truly pray. I mean, truly pray. Because prayer, after all, is an admission built into prayer, the nature of it. It's an admission of weakness. And it keeps us humble. It's why Robert Murray McShane is once to have reported this. If you want to humble a Christian... Just ask about his or her prayer life. Wow, that that hits right here, doesn't it? it? It's so true. But this is how the Christian life works. He must increase. I must decrease. Or when you are weak, then he is strong. And here is the beauty of this. Only when he is strong, then Can you, should you, will you pray? Truly pray with the help of the Spirit's powerful intercession. So you can pray and pray boldly. 
because you have the Spirit. And you know what this has done to my prayer life? You know what this has done for me? This has totally freed me. It has totally taken all the pressure off of me. You know why? I can't mess it up. I really can't. My call is to go to the Lord in prayer. And yes, I am so weak, but I am so thankful that I have the spirit of the living God who intercedes on my behalf. Powerful intercession according to the will of God. And so my encouragement for you, brothers and sisters, is pray. Pray boldly because you can't mess it up. Be free in your prayer. Amen? Amen. Let me pray as I close. Father, thank you for the beauty of the promises of your word. We thank you for Romans 8 and all that is promised to us by your spirit. We thank you for these two verses of what the spirit is doing in our lives. Lord, I pray for the people here that you would help them to grasp this truth from your word, that you would bury the eternal word of God that is given to us here deep in their their heart, in their bones, so that they would really uh, experience freedom to pray. Pray like they never have had before. And Lord, we know this is exactly what you want for us. You want us to be your people who are humble, dependent, needy, walking with you day by day in prayer. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make us those kind of people. Because, Lord, our flesh, the world, doesn't want us to be that way. Lord, we, we want to be our own boss, our own person. We want our own way. But Lord, we know that the best way, the true way, is to walk humbly with our God. And so, Lord, I pray that this, this passage would be used in our lives um, in that way this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this church. Lord, I thank you for um, sending my friend Paul here and their family and for Pastor Matt and for the people here. Lord, I pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon this church. Lord, that they might, they might increase, they might increase in the depth and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as they walk with you together here um, in Danville. And the, Lord, that their ministry would reach the community here and into the uttermost parts of the earth as you help them to know who to partner with to take the gospel message to all the nations. I pray this for Christ's sake. Amen.